Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest episode of the Talk That Talk show with Barry Holmes. And it's really, I can't believe how, how much the time has flown because now I can say that this, this show has made it through 13 episodes. Today will be the 13th episode, and, you know, my growth as a podcaster um, and my growth is, you know, being able to, you know, run a show and create new content and consistently trying to make the, sh- the show fun and interactive as possible. Um, I want to shout out my boy Shante for tuning in. Shout out to Brooks Walter. And then also, as always, shout out to my boy Savion Gaynor, who are watching on our Facebook live stream. But the show itself is called, as far as this Talk That Talk show, um, it's been a platform that I've really enjoyed being on each week. Um, each week I had throughout the week I have different people that come up to me and tell me how much they enjoy the show. Um, I bowled in a couple of bowling tournaments over the weekend, and I joked around one of the guys that I bowled with, and he said, "If we placed in the tournament, can he be on the show?" And you know, I know he was joking, but what that shows me is that there's a lot of people that do watch the show that I don't even know. And it also shows that people want to be on this show. And that couldn't all be possible without you all listening in. So I got to always thank all my new viewers out there, all my loyal viewers out there. Um, This show has now eclipsed over 3,000 plays through Facebook Live and through our Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. So I'm really blessed to be at this position Um, When you really look at the numbers and you look at how much of an impact this show has had, um, we we have nowhere to go but up. And each week we're going to keep getting better. I want to thank you all for listening and tuning in as always. And, you know, I'm going to continue to be a better podcaster and I'm going to continue to deliver a quality show. Um, I have one update that I want to let everybody know about. This is going to be the last episode on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. We're going to be shifting over to our summer schedule. So the show is going to be airing on Facebook Live on Thursdays now at 7 p.m. So all we have to do is shift this show over two days. Um, I'm sorry, my bowling schedule will not permit me to deliver this show on Tuesdays. But for the summer, we're going to shift over to a Thursday, 7 p.m. start time, okay? I'll remind everyone at the end of the episode, but let's enjoy this last Tuesday one for the uh, before the summer hits, and we're going to get right into it. Um, some of the top news that I've seen, um, first things first, I got to start off with the Lakers' dysfunction in the front office. Um, I know Magic Johnson left, and... You know, Rob Palenka is on his own over there. But, you know, as we start to see these reports come out as far as, you know, what was really happening in the Lakers front office, it's just really discouraging. Um, They've been referred to as, you know, the NBA's crown jewel because, you know, the Lakers have had so much success in the 80s and so many prestigious players. But I think what this whole circumstance shows us is that, it really is hard to win in the NBA. Um, when you look at you know Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka, neither of them had front office experience prior, but it, it, it really showed now when they thought that they won and got the slam dunk by signing um, LeBron James in the offseason, but 
You know, to be an NBA executive, it's going to take a lot more than LeBron James to get you into the playoffs and get you some success. So, you know, when I look at can the Lakers, you know, rebuild and really become the Lakers 2.0, Rob Palenka is really going to have to, you know, set aside all the dysfunction and try to recreate a a winning atmosphere in L.A. Um, We're just going to have to see what happens there, but... Um, there's definitely, definitely some things in higher places that are preventing the Lakers from being what they're supposed to be. Because if you look at you know that squad that they have with Lonzo Ball, uh, Kyle Kuzma, um, LeBron James, they have a solid team. They have a decent team. They're just lacking a couple pieces, and you know that's where Rob Palenka really has to step in as team president and. Um, make the right decisions for the Lakers moving on from that uh, dysfunctional place we got to go over to Philadelphia and I hate to say it but they have somebody in the the media in a negative light again um Adebel Herrera was arrested on domestic violence charges in Atlantic City um back last Monday and this is something that you really hate to see because the 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 twenty his twenty year old girlfriend, you know, had visible signs of injuries to her arm and neck, and you know I know the MLB is very very strict as far as their domestic violence policy, and as they should be because, you know, there should be no place where you know a man can just freely hit a woman. Um, I wasn't raised that way, and if you were raised white right, then you weren't raised that way either. So. Um, when you look at what happens with the NFL, um, you get like a three, four game suspension, but you know, in the, in in the MLB, that suspension can carry up to 200 something games. So when I look at Adubel Herrera, you know, he made a terrible, terrible mistake with, you know, the Phillies being in first place and doing as well as they're supposed to be. And they depend on him. He's an everyday outfielder and just, taking baseball out of the equation, just being a a right human being. You can't just go around hitting people, and especially women. And and I think that this is is a terrible thing for the Phillies organization. Um, It's a terrible thing for baseball. And Adebel Herrera should get what he deserves. You can't go around hitting women. And I think that we're going to see some big ramifications, especially because... You know, the woman has visible injuries, and that's something not to take, you know, lightly. Um, another thing that we, we saw here is that Kevin Durant was ruled out for game one. Um, however, he is traveling with the team to Toronto. Um, I wouldn't, it's, I know it sounds crazy to say that the Warriors are better without uh, Kevin Durant, but I truly think that's you know, with Kevin Durant being out, um, it's gonna it's gonna still provide a disadvantage for the Warriors. Um, when you're losing thirty points per game, you know I don't I don't care how well the team moves the ball. That's gonna be difficult, especially when you have Kawhi Leonard who's carrying an entire country with him. So I'm gonna get a, a little bit more into the NBA Finals at the end. But um, another thing that we saw is that Marvin Lewis is going to join as a special advisor. For Herm Edwards at Arizona State, 
And and I'm pretty happy about this because Herm, I mean, uh, Herm Edwards is definitely one of those coaches, the likable coaches. Um, I know he was a coach for the Jets, and he he has he's very charismatic. So for him to take on Marvin Lewis, I'm very happy for Marvin Lewis because a lot of people did not think that he would ever coach in the NFL ever again. I know that you know Arizona State is in the Pac-12, and it's going to be high flying offenses out there, but just the fact that Marvin Lewis is back to coaching again, I think this is huge for him. I think if he, you know, sets his bars low with just, you know, trying to make this team, this Arizona State team a better team, then I think that he will be well suited for the college football game. But if he's coming into this position trying to get back into the NFL, I could see this being very short-lived. So let's see what Marvin Lewis does over there at Arizona State. And then lastly, one of the things that was in the headlines was um, Chris Long, who's a lineman for the Eagles, just retired after 11 seasons. But one of the things that he had talked about on, on the Dan Patrick show, if anybody didn't get a chance to see that, is that he admitted to smoking you know, weed all of his career. And one of the things that he said that I, in the, in the uh, interviews after that was that his statement kind of got misconstrued or, you know, got that negative light. And one of the things that he spoke about is that how can, you know, we try to destigmatize, you know, athletes in the NFL smoking marijuana? Because, you know, the vast majority from what he's saying, they do. And I know that the NFL is trying to make a push for um, marijuana being used for pain-related issues, um, but he really spoke to the people that, you know, they're not just using it for pain that are just using it for recreational use. And what he's trying to say is, is that him saying this on the Dan Patrick show shouldn't be him admitting to something, because if you're admitting to something, that's showing that's showing that you have done something wrong. And for the mass, you know, majority of people out there, um, they're still thinking that marijuana is something that shouldn't be you know, used recreationally, it shouldn't be used. And it, and it kind of varies from state to state. Um, but I think that when you look at his statement, as far as de- trying to destigmatize weed, uh, weed use amongst athletes in the NFL, he's going to have a very strong uphill battle to climb because it's hard to destigmatize something that is still illegal. And I know it's legalized in a couple states. A lot of states are trying to make the push for legal weed, but you're always going to have a hard time destigmatizing something that is illegal um, because the the vast majority of people are trying to do the right thing. And I'm not to say that Chris Long is wrong here because, you know, I know a lot of people that, you know, do use marijuana for recreational use. But the main thing is that when you put on that jersey for another team, you're not only representing your family, your friends, you're representing the organization. So you kind of have to fly by their rules, and you don't really get the chance to do whatever you want to do. So Chris Long, good for you, bro. You got away with, um, you know, smoking your whole career. But you got to, you know, when you hear that, you feel for people like Josh Gordon that have been suspended multiple, multiple times and failed drug test after drug test. And, you know, he suffered the punishments. But yet Chris Long can go on a show on the Dan Patrick Show and freely proclaim his marijuana usage. So... It's kind of a little bit unfair, but that's just the way society is. Um, 
it's just one of those things that we're going to have to kind of get through um, until we can find a, an overall standard. Then it's going to be one of those things that just keep reoccurring topics wise. So let's just see what the NFL does. I know they're making that push for, you know, trying to make it somewhat acceptable amongst pain relief. But um, we'll see what happens in the months to come. Um, a huge, huge headline, huge headline that I saw here is the fact that R.J. Hampton, who was the number six prospect in the 2020 NBA mock draft, has decided that he is not going to go to college, right? He has decided that he's going to go play in the Australian National Basketball League. And this guy was a really high recruit. Um, he was expected to go to either Kansas, uh, Memphis, or Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech was just in the Final Four um, this past year, so they're a really good basketball team. And they would have been a lot better with R.J. Hampton. If you have not seen this kid's highlights, um, he is a knockdown shooter and just a really athletic guard that can go and get it. And when you think about this, I want to really read a quote that R.J. Hampton said, and, and it kind of makes me think, does this also pertain to a lot of the other you know younger athletes out there? But he said that his favorite player is Luka Doncic. But here's his quote. My dream has never been to play college basketball. And I kind of took that as, you know, kind of crazy to hear because even when I was growing up, you know, my biggest thing was I always wanted to play for Louisville. I loved Rick Pitino. I loved the way they, the style of basketball they played. And college basketball was something that I actually liked a little bit more than NBA growing up. Um and then to hear that, you know, people, these athletes are saying that, you know, it's never their dream to play college basketball. I think this is going to make things a little bit difficult um, for the college basketball for years to come. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, every athlete is going to decide to go overseas. But what R.J. Hampton is doing is he's setting the trend to make this acceptable. All right. Luka Doncic was able to go play overseas, have a great professional career came over here and you look and you know what he did you know rookie of the year um you look at Kristaps Porzingis who played you know in the Spanish league for so long and you know came over here well developed um when you look at these players and these under 19 players um I know that the NBA is looking to lower the the NBA age limit and also in part is that the G League players are now getting higher contracts so they're getting six figure contracts so it's starting to look a little bit more flirtatious for these younger athletes to say, you know what, forget college. I'm going to get my professional experience. I mean, we talk about, you know, Lonzo Ball's father and LeVar Ball and how crazy he was of sending his kids overseas. But is he really that crazy now in this day and age? Because now all of a sudden you have these players that are going overseas. They're developing at a much higher rate, playing against much better polished professional athletes right and that's only going to help them as far as their transition to the world's best league in the nba so um with this happening with rj hampton going overseas i think that you're going to start to see that is there a time where the ncaa is going to even the field are they going to adapt to what's happening here and the only way that you can really see that happening is if they start to compensate these players I was talking offline with uh, my one friend, uh, Boza. We call him Boza, but his name's Kevin Rosa. 
And we were kind of discussing how would that kind of look like as far as how would we try to compensate these players? And, you know, I follow the model of maybe everybody can collectively come together to make sure we can get these athletes compensated. If Adidas is the ones that are, you know, representing this team, have them pay a percentage, all right? If this university is the one and we're getting X amount of incoming freshmen just because of what we did in that Final Four run, then you should give me a percentage based off of the admissions that I'm getting in based off of my play. I mean, you look at these um, recruitment videos that these colleges are putting out, and a lot of the times, yes, they flash to them in the classroom, but most of the times it's these athletes that are playing in their games. So if you're going to put these guys at the face of the franchise, I mean the face of the university, and you're just going to reap the benefits and just give them some free gear, um, I know they're getting the education, but you're going to really start to see the quality of the top-tier guys in college basketball decline if we don't start to see them adapt to what is happening around them. Players are going to try and go overseas to get their money. But is there going to be some compensation from the NCAA? Because if not, these top-tier guys are going to start leaving. And we just have to see what happens. You know, the game is changing so much. And with the game changing, the different facets that make the game itself need to also adapt as well so and 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 it's funny that we talk about adapting because one of the things that's kind of been something i've thought about a lot and one of the things that i kind of question some of my friends a lot of the time is you know what makes true fandom right so what is it that you need to do to make sure that you are a true fan of the team that you rep right um I feel like in this day and age, right, here in 2019, we have a lot of people that are fans of just a player, right? So you look at people and I say, you know, who do you like in the NBA? And some people say James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. But, you know, when you look at people that are true fans of a team, um, it's very sparse, man. It's very, very... um, not as prevalent in these day and ages. You have people that say they're fans of the Warriors, but yet they don't know (laughs) who Mikel Petras is. They don't know about Run TMC with Chris Mullen, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Mitch Richmond. Um, You talk about the days where they had Jason Richardson, Baron Davis, Amante Ellis, who averaged 20 points a game for years and wasn't an all-star. He's one of my favorite players. But, you know, when you talk about fans, especially if you're saying you're a Warriors fan, um, it's very difficult for me to understand if you are a true fan, if you can't even tell me what happened with the Baron Davis dunk on Andre Karolenko, right? Um, You have to know your history if you're a fan because one of the things that I'll tell you, you know, if you didn't already know, I'm a huge Knicks fan. But part of what makes me a Knicks fan is the fact of, you know, just continuously, voluntarily going through what we've had to as being a fan. And with the Knicks, you know, sustaining so much, you know, terrible basketball over these decades, um, it's truly made me a fan because when they made that run uh, with Carmelo Anthony, Amari Steinmeier, and they beat the Celtics in the first round, um, and got into what is the conference semifinals against the Pacers. That was one of the best, you know, times for me as a fan because I endured so much losing. 
And when you look at teams or you look at people that switch teams because a team starts losing, they're like, oh, I can't mess with that team because they're losing. I mean, that's when you start to look at what defines a bandwagon fan. Um, I always joke around and say that, you know, if you haven't watched more than 60% of your team's games, then you cannot say you're a fan. You have so many people on Facebook that all of a sudden out of nowhere become fans around playoff time. And that's the most disrespectful thing to somebody who's watched regular season games where their team gets blown, their doors blown off. I mean, you can't tell me how many times I've watched the Knicks, especially covering games in the garden where they were down 30 and I wanted to take the train home. But I sat down and I watched that game because that's what being a true fan is all about. When you have those players out there and they're getting their doors blown off, they don't go off and just walk off the court. They continue to play it out. And a lot of those people are galvanized by how fans are coming to these games and supporting. So it, it's it's really on the fan to, to just really stick with a team. I'm going to challenge people. Don't just be fans of players. You know, find a team. Find somebody that you like. What play style do you like with that team? And watch their games. Right. And I think one of the things that kind of makes it a little bit more difficult also for people to stick with one team is the fact that, you know, players are changing, you know, too often, right? So you have teams, you have guys that are signing one-year contracts, um, two-year contracts, option outs, and it makes it very difficult for you to stick with the team. Um, I love my boy uh, Darius, uh, call him Sonny, but... You know, one of the things that Gleck said is that, you know, he loves Kawhi Leonard and he goes wherever Kawhi goes. So it, it kind of like really summed up what I was talking about as far as how, you know, a, a, a fan in this day and age, they're just fans, players. And it's so difficult for you to stick with a team if they're constantly shifting. Um, but that's just the way it is, you know, especially as far as fandom. It's one of those things that you're going to have those bandwagon fans and you got to actually watch these regular seasons games. Thank you, Rose. Shout out to my boy, Rose. You got to watch these regular season games. All right. If you're just putting your jersey on for the postseason, then I got to question you. If you don't know more than five players on your team from years before they were winning, then you're not a real fan. All right. Talking that talk is really about being loyal and staying with your squad. Regardless of if they're winning or losing, you got to watch them the whole way. So, you know, as we start to transition into these playoffs and you start to go over to the, um, you know, baseball season and soccer, uh, you got to start to watch these games and, and watch them in their entirety. OK, don't just, you know, watch a game for one quarter and all of a sudden now you're a fan of, you know, the, the Grizzlies. I mean, you got to watch some of those games. If you if you don't know how to watch a team that's on your local, go to Reddit. That's when I was in college and I couldn't watch Knicks games because I was going to school in Pennsylvania. I was still watching those Knicks games through Reddit. So there's many options out there. There's so many avenues out there for you to be able to watch your team. So please just do it, man. Please. Right. I'm tired of seeing bandwagon fans and I'm tired of them talking like they're experienced and like they know what they're talking about. Because you don't. You just know what you see on ESPN in the first 30 seconds, right? So let's be more consistent fans. And now that we've talked about these bandwagon fans, we shoot them out of there. Let's talk about the NBA Finals finally. Woo! We got game one coming up on Thursday. 
at 9 p.m. on TNT. This is going to be huge. I know we have the Raptors. You got the fangirl Drake, who's been the official, unofficial mascot, whatever you want to call him. But a lot of people are getting tired of him. But the thing is, is that Drake has made a difference for the Raptors in giving them the true home court advantage. I mean, I could never see, I mean, I've grown up with the biggest, you know, uh, world ambassador of a team in Spike Lee, but never did you see Spike Lee going up and rubbing Pat Riley's uh, shoulders. You never saw him going on the court and just doing stuff like that. So with, um, with what, how could I say with what Drake is doing? It's going to be okay in Toronto because they've allowed that, right? Uh, the, the the NBA leagues and, and and Adam Silver, if they want to put a stop to this, then they're going to have to stop it right away, right? Because I already saw that um a, um a band from out west in Oakland, they were already tweeting at at Drake saying that yo, you cannot be doing this in Oakland. And I think back to, you know, negative fan interactions. I mean, we could only look as far as the, the, the fight in, in, the, in the Palace at Auburn Hills. I mean, you saw what, what happened to Ron Artest. When, he threw, when somebody threw that bottle at him, he went into the stands. He went berserk. And I know that Drake is not, you know, trying to incite that or trying to do that. But I'm just, you know, we talk about at work always being proactive instead of reactive. And if we allow Drake to do what he's doing, I just think about the next person that is in another state. Uh, look, look at the Utah Jazz. They got people that are screaming out uh, racial obscenities. What if you have a guy up there just screaming the N-word at somebody at, at courtside? Now, I know that's a little bit extreme, but like I said, these are the possibilities that happen when we allow Drake to be as close as he is. So um, does he provide the Raptors a huge, huge home court advantage? Yes, he does. But we have to look at who are the Raptors playing. They are playing the Warriors that have been to five straight NBA finals. Do you think the Warriors give a damn about Drake and what he's doing on the sideline? The Warriors are focused right now. And I think what we have to start to look towards is is just the, the style of basketball that the Warriors play, right? The, the 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 ball movement, the defense, the transition offensive efficiency, this is what makes the Warriors as great as they are. So when you think about Nick Nurse now, who's the Raptors coach, he's done he's far exceeded what this Raptors team was expected out of him. But now that you're in the finals, how well are you able to adjust in the games, right? That's what's that is what makes an NBA coach great as he is. People hate on Tyron Lue, or they say that, oh, he was just, you know, LeBron's puppet. But people forget that they were down 3-1 in that series, and Tyron Lue made key adjustments in that series to put the Cavs in a position to beat the Warriors. So when I look at the Raptors, you know, this first game, it's going to be tough on Thursday. Um, Even though it's in Toronto, I, I really look for Steph Curry to try and carry the offensive load like he's already been doing. Um, but when you think about the Raptors and you think about them, they have to make sure they're not just happy to be there. And I know that, you know, Kawhi Leonard is playing out of his mind, but I think the rest time for, you know, before this, uh, this game one is really going to help the Raptors because 
one of the things that my friend Savion pointed out to me is that we all know that Kawhi Leonard is, you know, a little hurt in his leg. He has some sort of issue. I remember on that big Giannis duck where he just completely boomed it on on uh, Giannis. He came, he, he came down and fell down with just no contact. So you can kind of see that he, he's having issues with putting pressure on that leg. So I think that this, um, this time that they've had to just rest up is really going to help them. But also it's going to help you know the Warriors out too. Um, give KD some time. I know that he's going to be traveling with them to Toronto. But he's not going to play game one. But still, all time is good time for, especially like Iguodala, who's had some issues too. He was hurt. So let's see what's going to happen. But it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that the Raptors could do this, right? Even if they have Kevin Durant, um, I think you have to look really at just how much of an impact Kawhi Leonard does and how much of a galvanizer that he is for this Raptors team. Um, I've seen memes about how, you know, he has the whole country on his back. But when you think about it, he really does, right? And what he's able to do with his own play just elevates the play of those supporting cast players, right? When you look at the Raptors, um, they were able to sweep Portland. I mean, if you, if you look at the Warriors, they were able to sweep Portland, right? They 4 0 them. And, and that was crazy in itself because the Clippers were able to win two games. If the Clippers are able to win two games against the Warriors, then Portland should have. But when I really look as far as why Portland wasn't able to even get a win, but they just didn't have the experience, right? You have guys that have played playoff minutes, that have played playoff games, but when it comes down to it, you need that playoff experience later in the rounds, right? You look at the Raptors, and they have Danny Green, who has played in the NBA Finals on the Spurs. You know, you have a Marcus Gasol who's played quality playoff minutes and had a long, nice career, right? You have Kawhi Leonard, who's been a Finals MVP, right? So you have Kyle Lowry, who's experienced playoff uh, just bombing and, and being in that terrible position and just, oh, just the devastation, you know, when you have that type of experience, that is what's going to really help your team to go f- move forward because you can't play one-on-one basketball and you can't play isolation basketball against the Warriors. You're going to have to have a team game. And when you look at the Raptors, I feel like they do have the support uh, they have the support system to help Kawhi to get them over the hump. But it's going to be a really tall task for the Raptors to try and beat the Warriors. Um, they're not going to be able to do it without Fred Van Fleet. I tell you that. Fred Van Fleet is going to be the key for the Raptors coming off the bench because the Raptors are already playing a short bench in just Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka, and Fred Van Fleet. But when you look at Fred Van Fleet, he was playing some great, great basketball for the Raptors, hitting key shots facilitating the ball with Kyle Lowry didn't have it in his hands. And, and I really look to see what is he going to do. So if, if I'm looking to see if the Raptors can really beat the Warriors in game one, I need Fred Van Fleet to be shooting 45% or better. And I need Fred Van Fleet to have at least 20 points, right? I need Kawhi Leonard to score at least 40. And I know that's it's tough to say, but if the Raptors have a legitimate, realistic shot 
of beating the Warriors, then Kawhi needs to drop 40. And shout out to my boy Rose because he says Lowry is the key. And, and I think that he is a key for this, this Raptors team. Um, Kyle Lowry is somebody who's been personified by his inconsistency. And I feel like it's almost a waste certain games when you get production from Kyle Lowry and the Raptors don't win. But when you look at what Kyle Lowry is able to do and how he's transitioned his game, he he looks like a, a, a person out there that isn't scared. And he looks like he has the decision making that maybe he's kind of lacked. He he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the playoffs, but we've started to see, you know, Kyle Lowry turn it on and, and hit those open shots. You know, I'm not asking Kyle Lowry to come out and slice the defense or split double teams. All I'm asking him to do is be present and be ready to shoot when Kawhi dishes it to you, right? If he's if that shot's not working for Kyle, he needs to take it to the basket. All right. A lot of times these NBA players fall too much in love with the jump shot. And especially against the Warriors, if you can get them in a little bit of foul trouble, um, you know, taking the ball to the basket, getting some shots at the free throw line, um, that's what's going to help this team. And the Raptors are going to need any bit of edge that they can to beat the Warriors because the Warriors are an official team. They are a team that makes the extra pass, they rebound the ball effectively, and they get out on transition. And that is the recipe for success. And if you want to counteract that, then you have to bring that physicality. And you got to have your, your superstar players play like superstars. And that's what happened with Portland. They didn't get the, the production that they were supposed to get out of Damian Lillard. And the Warriors just showed them what an experienced team can do in the playoffs. So when I look at the Raptors and them having a realistic chance, they're going to have to find a way to make sure that the Warriors do not get out in transition and they have to have their role players step up. So it's going to be a real treat on Thursday to see that game, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, if, you don't get a, if you don't get a chance to watch live, make sure you, you record it because that game one is going to tell us a lot about how this series is going to shake out. And, you know, that about does it for our 13th episode here. Um, we talked about a lot. Um, I just want to thank everybody who's tuned in on our Facebook live stream. Um, I want to thank everybody out there that's listening on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and on iTunes. Um, I appreciate you each week. Um, please bear with me. I know that we always have this show on Tuesday at you know 7 p.m., but we're going to transition the show from Tuesday to Thursdays now. We're switching to summer schedule. So next Thursday, we will be back on it. Um, we're going to be on there at six, I mean, 7 o'clock. Thursdays, the Talk That Talk show will shift. Um, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to try and have some more people on the show. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to check out last week, please check out last week's episode as well with my brother. It was great interviewing him and getting some of his insights. And if you think you can be a guest on this show, Send me a message on Facebook. Tweet me at BHO732. Send me a message on Instagram, BHOMES45, right? If you want to be on my show and you want to talk that talk with me, send me a message. Tell me what you want to talk about, and we'll see if we can get you on the show, right? Um, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsors. Um, shout-out to Dave at VW Liquors. Let's go, Mets! Let's go, Mets! 
We always do that for Dave at the end of the show. If you love, you know, your beer and liquor, go to them in Wick Plaza, VW Liquors. And that's that's my one-stop shop. I always go there. Um, Want to give a shout-out to Executive Bar and Restaurant located in 30 Menu Street. And then also want to give a shout-out to my boy Cody Bromley at 91s.com. Um, those are our sponsors. If you want to be a sponsor, you want to get some advertisement on my show, you can reach me directly at my email at bhsports45 at gmail.com. Send me an email, and let's see if we can make something work. And, you know, that about does it. Um, I really am happy and proud of myself as far as staying consistent with this show. Um, Bowling, my schedule, it could have allowed me to stop the show for a couple months and, you know, start a new season. But, you know, that that just wasn't in my, my repertoire. I mean, I wanted to continue on with this show. So that's why we're transitioning on Thursdays at 7 p.m., and the show must go on, and that's what we're going to do. So I want to thank everyone out there for listening in. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be here again next Thursday, 7 p.m. The Talk That Talk show is here, and we ain't going nowhere, baby. Thank you to everyone listening out, and I'll see you next week.